Hey, look, it's the uh, Game Day on Rocky Top podcast, episode 155. We are uh, back from an undisclosed remote location where we were undergoing therapy and rehab after drinking too much whiskey and smoking too much crack, all of which was understandable because of the Vols' two consecutive losses to open the season. And because my wife and kids and pastor are all probably listening, I'm kidding. I didn't smoke any crack. Anyway, uh, I'm Will Shelton. <laughs> uh, kidding again. I'm Joel Hollingsworth. I'm joined by Will Shelton. Will, did you uh, spend any time in rehab over the past couple of weeks? No. Uh, you know, we did one of these after the Georgia State game, and then uh, a number of circumstances prevented us from doing one after BYU. Uh, was it like I was at the BYU game? I wasn't at the Georgia State game, so I'm 100% convinced if I was at both, I would definitely think Georgia State was worse. Um, yeah, BYU that obviously not a great way to go. Uh, they're they're at the end of regulation, and a weird we've written about this weird not only for the unlikelihood of that last play, but also just man Tennessee controlled that game the whole time. I mean, you never. Once you saw they showed up to play, you never really thought they'd lose. And so um, I, I, uh, our nature of podcasting or not podcasting suggests that we like felt worse after BYU. Uh, I, I still felt a, a little better. Was that, your, was that your take too? I did feel better, yes. Um, I thought, I think Georgia State was a fluke. I think what happened there was that they, their mistake was not taking them seriously. And thinking it was yeah. a preseason game, and thinking, "Hey, we need to we need to use this as a scrimmage and figure out about ourselves." And oh no, it's the fourth quarter, and we're about to lose, and it's too late. I think that's what happened there. And I think, who are we? We're not, we're not the the team that played uh, Georgia State. We're not the team that played UTC. But I think we might just be the team that played BYU, um, which is sort of a you know cuspy top twenty five or have a chance against the top 20 to top 25 teams. I'm thinking that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. They BYU. I watched a lot of that USC game, like a lot of people probably hoping that they looked great. Uh, and they did win. Um, they, they offensively, uh, they had a lot more purpose against the Trojans than they did against Tennessee. And I'm hopeful that Tennessee's defense was part of taking them out of that purpose. Cause like we said, I mean, they just, Tennessee controlled that game from start to finish and nothing that BYU's offense did in regulation was particularly frightening. They should get credit for a couple of great calls. They dialed up those uh, reverse end around calls at the, at the perfect time uh, in regulation and in overtime and, and kudos to those guys for that. But then against USC, they, they really looked like their offense had some purpose. So if you are, if you want to lean optimistic about this thing, then maybe Joel, what you're saying is exactly right. Tennessee just didn't show up at all against Georgia State. Certainly some of that was alignment. That's what we were hoping two weeks ago. Turns out that was some of that at least was the case. When they get lined up right, they don't have to give up four yards of carry to everybody. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, that, that Tennessee's defense looks better when Batuli's on the field. Um, we, we might get to find out if they look better. If Bryce Thompson is on the field, I'm – no one's exactly sure what's going to happen there uh, still. But, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, f- I feel better about the whole of, of things. And I'm not sure if Tennessee beat Georgia State uh, 
you know, 38 to 37. And then they beat BYU 16 to 13 or whatever that was. I'm not sure like week to week in terms of Tennessee's chances against the Gators on Saturday, I'm not sure I'd feel a whole lot different than where we are with Tennessee losing uh, both of those games. I think that's right. Yeah. And and just to clarify, I was not, uh, you know, wallowing in uh, addiction or anything like that. Or <laughs> uh, I also wasn't just, you know, it wasn't, we didn't, we didn't have the, we didn't forego the podcast just because we were uh, upset about football either. We had stuff going on. I got sick Correct. for like, oh, it was nasty sick. It was, it was, I don't hope anybody ever gets that sick. It was nasty. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so the, the real season actually, I think, begins now. Uh, the Vols head into the thicket of the SEC schedule. They got the Gators this Saturday at noon on ESPN. And then they get a week off before a gauntlet of – I got to get out my trusty magazine here. I did a smart thing this time. I actually put the uh, schedule on the first page so I didn't have to look for it every time now. Right. So, yeah. Uh, so, they got uh, Georgia in Knoxville and then Mississippi State in Knoxville. They go to Alabama. Then they get South Carolina in Knoxville. A little bit of a breather maybe, hopefully, against UAB for homecoming in Knoxville. And then they finish the gauntlet with a trip to Lexington to play Kentucky. So that's that's the gauntlet. But first up is, is Florida. And, you know, here's the thing. They don't look great. You know, but here's the other thing. We always think that. And and then and then they gang up with the weirdness and they put a whooping on us. You know, I know we have 2016, right? And you know, I'm happy for that. I'm glad we have it. But it's like one twelfth of our memories of you know of our recent memories. That's like a it's like a Boston cream, a single Boston cream in a box of like I don't know maple cake donuts. You know, no offense to maple cake donut lovers, but those things are terrible. You know, I, do, do you like maple cake donuts? You're what you're, they're probably your wife's no. like specialty or something. No, no my that. wife does not do donuts. So you're safe on that. No, okay. but I also am not a fan at all of Boston cream. So I really oh. wasn't sure where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> Boston cream is like the best. What? So, okay. Well, what, what is your, what's your favorite? What's your Florida 2016 donut? And then what's your, I hate Florida donut that fills up the rest of the box. Well, see, the Florida 2016 donut is the donut that you eat and you enjoy it so much, and then you hate yourself the next day because of the rest of the donuts that were in the 2016 <laughs> box after the one, the Hail Mary donut the next week. So uh, okay. that's that's a good. I, so I feel like I can't use my 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 favorite favorite donut is a uh, Krispy Kreme seasonally sometimes puts out a key lime donut, oh, which yeah. is one of the things that i've ever put in my mouth uh and so i'm sorry but uh, now that now that i've asked this i think if we had the same conversation am i so stuck on donuts that i've asked you this question before i well it could just be that i'm increasingly excited to talk about key lime because it's also my wife who is a professional cake decorator like she makes a key lime cupcake that is also one of the best things i've ever put in my mouth so it's probably just me uh talking talking about key lime a lot so it would it would not be that it would be the um, like where you sometimes I feel like when you're getting donuts that you can get too at Krispy Kreme and places uh, of that nature, you get too exotic, and you you get too uh, donuts that have too many things going on and they're too rich and filling. And like say 
you eat one as as was the case in 2016 you eat the big battle of bristol donut like the yeah. big donut that you've never had before and then you eat two other really good donuts and then you should stop right there and don't eat anything else out of that box but then you do and you hate yourself for the next uh roughly 365 days yeah uh so that's uh that's that's my take on that. So, so do you not have like a, a donut that you just will not eat because they're so nasty? Uh, it, I mean, they would have to be really weird. Krispy Kreme also made a um, uh, oh, what's the East? The Peeps made a Peeps donut. Oh, okay, that's so I. But I won't eat Peeps. Period. So that's just that's okay. just by nature of it being in proximity to a a Peep. So um, d- don't tell me that you like cake donuts because to me, like cake donuts. They're not really donuts. They're not really cake. They're they're like bagels that, you know, a month before the high school reunion are trying to be donuts, you know, but they're not quite getting there. <laughs> That's so, a good analogy too. Yeah. I, I I enjoy if it is Sunday morning uh before church uh, or after worship in the little coffee and donut section that all uh good Jesus loving churches have uh, I do enjoy like a cake donut hole in that situation okay, right. where it's something light and all that. <clears throat> but if I'm, you know, but the place that I eat Krispy Kreme is when I'm on vacation at the beach. If I'm at the beach, I'm not purchasing any cake donuts. I'm I'm going for the you should you should eat two or three and then stop situation. There's no cake donuts in that box. I got an image of you sitting on the beach, your pale white skin getting sunburned <laughs> with a box full of donut holes. No, you, you, and also the other rule about that is don't eat the donuts on the beach, man. Eat them, eat them on the, on the balcony of your hotel room. Like that's just, that's a, that's a private moment with you and the donuts. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about Florida. Um, so, uh, did you watch the Kentucky game? I did. I I watched it, uh, in, in full. Okay. Um, First thoughts when uh, Felipe Franks went down. Well, uh, first thought was, man, that is a terrible and, and, uh, you know, it's bad when they don't go back and show it again. So my first thought was, I feel really bad for that kid even, and especially, I mean, he's done terrible things to Tennessee in 2017, uh, and certainly was an accomplice to Tennessee doing terrible things to itself last year in this game. But, uh, yeah, I, I felt terrible for him. Uh, I, I, my next thought was Emory Jones and then we didn't see him at all. So, uh, this, this Trask kid was, I had heard that story, you know, about him being a backup in high school or whatever, but, um, I, I I had never seen him or or not paid any any attention to the little bit that he had played before. So when they didn't play Emory Jones at all, and then, uh, this kid comes out and Mullen, those guys did a great job play calling for him because with Frank's, regardless of the ways that we talk ourselves into things in this Tennessee, Florida game, the week leading up to it, it's not just Tennessee fans that put forth a defense around Franks that is basically described as we, I mean, we talked about this uh, on the podcast before the Georgia state game. Yeah. We're going to encourage you to do something dumb, right? Like we'll give you a 12 play drive. We bet you'll do something dumb on plays one through 11. So uh, that defense didn't work with, with Trask. Uh, You're going to need to blitz that kid more often and, and make him uncomfortable uh, I thought he had some happy feet, uh, but he certainly is also six five with a rocket arm. So, um, it, 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 my bigger takeaway now is 
when Mullen comes out and says, well, we got game plans for both of them. We're going to play both of them. You know, I, it's working. I genuinely don't know. Is he just making Tennessee prepare for two guys, one of which was much more highly rated than the other? Or uh, is is this just, you know, is it actually going to be, yeah, we're going to come out and, and roll two quarterbacks against Tennessee. So I, I think everybody is a little curious about whether or not it's going to be just Trask or, or if they really do have – the six-five rocket arm kid, or the more athletic option uh, that's that's also going to play against Tennessee. I wonder if it really matters that much with Mullen. It, it seems like Mullen's going to do his thing regardless of who's under center or in the that's shotgun. A good yeah, it's a good point. So it's just a matter of you know which guy you got to you got to calibrate based on uh, you know which guy can run faster or or whatever. I don't know. We'll find out. But here's the thing. <clears throat> Um, as you said, uh, the, 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 the defense or, or, well, let me say this first. It seemed to me like Kentucky started playing different for some reason. I don't know whether that was really the case or whether Trask was just more efficient or something, but regardless, um, he, uh, he seemed, he played better, you know, the, the team was better under him. And I don't know why that, that is. Um, sometimes, um, I don't know whether, because, and I'll ask you this question in just a second, but we've, we're well acquainted with the plague of backup quarterbacks, right? Uh, we've, we've got rotten memories of backup quarterbacks and I don't know what happens, whether, whether the defense is like, Oh, good. Their best guy is out. Uh, we can coast from here, you know, or whether the, uh, the teammates of the guy who just went out are like, Oh no. Um, we better step it up and they start playing better or, um, you know, whether the, I don't know, whatever it might be, something happens when a new guy comes in. Maybe it's, it's because your whole game plan goes out the window now because you got somebody new back there. Um, but what, what do you think it is? What, what can, do you have any explanation for, uh, why it is that, that sometimes when backup quarterbacks come in, uh, you don't get the result that you think you should get because what you should get is that, hey, the best guy's out, the second best guy is in. Um, we should be able to make something of that. I think the the simplest answer for all the ways we want to dress it up is when it happens in the middle of the game, the defense didn't prepare for it, and an offense uh, almost by default simplifies because you haven't been giving the the backup as much of the playbook and and enough reps and practice and all that stuff. And sometimes if a team is struggling uh, on offense as as the Gators were at that point in the game and and struggling, you know, they they missed the chip shot field goal at the end of the first half. They they had some other things that were that that were part of that, I think, but simplifying the offense, they did lots of quick throws with with Trask, uh taking advantage maybe of a defense that by default wants to be more aggressive against the backup, that sort of thing. Uh, I think some of it is just that, and then you see the next week, hopefully, in this case, that when you're getting a full 60 minutes with this guy and it's not asking a defense to change on the fly, then they don't look uh, quite so hot. Um, but, and Tennessee has seen both sides of that historically against backup quarterbacks, but um, again, I think Florida can negate some of that if they're going to play both guys because then you would have the same situation with Emory Jones where you're, you're dealing with having to, to change it up on defense and adapt. If, if Mullen is going to design kind of two different things for these guys, uh, I, I think 
again, you have to hope that now that you've seen a quarter and some change against this guy in, in live fire situation and you're ready for it as opposed to trying to get ready for what Franks does, then, then Tennessee hopefully won't have as, as much of a problem as Kentucky had. So I, I alluded to this earlier, but uh, Tennessee's had some bad experiences uh, with this before. Um, so what are your worst memories of backup quarterbacks uh, as a Tennessee fan? Go. Well, uh, Matt Mock is right as number one. That's I mean, got to be number one. Yeah. That's at the top of everybody's list. Uh, I was at that game, and I, I probably said on this podcast, and I know in writing, that uh, I was – I was 20 years old then, uh, and and you know, student at UT and all that stuff in 2001. And my three friends and I that went to that game that were talking about uh, how can we rent an RV that drive to drive to Pasadena. None of us is old <laughs> enough to legally rent a car yet. All that stuff at halftime. Uh, I think we said four words to each other on the drive back to Knoxville in the car. Uh, so all that that one, and and yeah, and just more coughing than talking. Uh, and that that one too. It happened to Tennessee at a time when Tennessee's defense was so elite uh, that it was it was just shocking. And I, I always try to make a point to say when we're talking about that game, sometimes you just fumble. Uh, there's lots of little things you can pick apart. And certainly Tennessee wasn't prepared. They were they were ready for Rohan Davy. They weren't prepared for Mock being more elusive. But also their two best offensive skill players, Travis Stevens yep. and Dante Stallworth, fumbled in the fourth quarter. It happens. It sucks. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes it happens. And it's it's Julian Battle dropped an interception. You know, we don't need to relive that game more than that. So Mock is one. Uh, I think the Kentucky one, the Dooley Kentucky one is two, just because that's the other end of the spectrum where you've had a bad year. Kentucky is worse. And they're trotting out the let's try a wide receiver at quarterback today. Uh, <laughs> and it works for the first time in three-plus decades. Uh, so that one is is certainly on the list. In terms of what cost Tennessee, uh, Jake Bentley at South Carolina uh, a couple of years ago, where you know that wasn't an in-game switch, and neither was Kentucky with uh, what was that kid's name, Rourke, that was the the wide receiver turned quarterback I've, for Kentucky. I've repressed all that. Yeah, I don't want to remember, yeah. so no need to notify us if we got that wrong. But uh, <laughs> you know, Bentley at South Carolina, who's you know, oh, he's he's supposed to be at his prom and all this other stuff, yeah. and here he is at South Carolina. And Tennessee, off the bye week, uh, just with, with everything in front of them, uh, that, that game, uh, I, I know that I didn't ever write this. My grandmother died the day before that game. And, I, you know, I often joke, like, that would have killed her if she lived another day. Because, <laughs> because I mean, that, that thing, I just remember being in a hotel uh, in Covington, Tennessee, where my son is named after, uh, for my grandmother's uh, funeral and watching the end of that game and just thinking, what are you doing to me, Tennessee? Like, this this is the, the <laughs> stop eating the donuts, right? That exact uh, That game, by the way, again, not to dwell on the bad, but but doing those historic lines when Tennessee lost to Georgia State, that's, that's like the fifth worst upset that Tennessee has suffered in the last uh, 30 years. So uh, we, we probably didn't give that <laughs> – there was no overreacting to that. Let me say that any, any reaction to that loss. And I was like, say I, my grandmother died. I was kind of out of the immediacy of responding to it in blog form. But, uh, yeah, those weren't overreactions. <laughs> that was, those were appropriate reactions for a 14 and a half point underdog. So those are the three that stand out to me. Let me say this, like some of this angst we're, we're 
fans are of we have fans of ages now that don't weren't alive when we were great. It's not their fault they weren't alive. Uh, but there's this this is turning a, a little too jinxy for my taste because. We mentioned the good-tasting donut of the 2016 Florida game. That was a backup quarterback. That was Austin Appleby in that game, uh, who threw a delicious interception in the midst of that uh, that that uh, fourth-quarter run by Tennessee. Where I remember telling my wife, "I've been waiting all day for him to make that throw," and and sure enough, you know, he, he had it in him. So you have to hope for things like that with Trask too. That if you get into that kind of situation, like just he's he's gonna have something. He's gonna have a bad decision in him, uh, and uh, and hopefully that is what shows up there. So, not it doesn't always go bad against the Gators. I know there's the one from 2014 as well where they the you know you're up nine to nothing and then you give him the short field and they put in the backup and he runs one play and gets a touchdown. Uh, I've forgotten that guy's name too, but uh, uh, yeah, those those mock and then the Kentucky one and and I think Bentley would be three. Uh, uh, on my list. All right. Speaking of quarterbacks, um, Garantano um, had kind of a rough start, like the team, um, for the first couple of games. And then a really bad first throw uh, on uh, on his first throw in, against uh, UTC. But then went, what was it, uh, seven of eight he finished. Um, right. Looked uh, really good. Like he found a groove. Um it was uh, Chattanooga, um, so we'll see. But uh, how are you feeling about Garantano at this point? I feel like uh, I would take the 2018 version of him in a heartbeat right now. Yeah. Uh, the, the version that we all attached ourselves to in the offseason, the uh, will be better because he's a year older and will be better because working with Jim Chaney version, at this point I'm willing to let that go. Uh, and I would just take last year's version uh, because I'm I'm unsure what's going on here. Other than to say that again, and good grief, we should know better. Yep. I should know better. I know what you're going to say. Don't assume that new offensive coordinator is going to mean smooth sailing right away. Like we should know that by now. But uh, yeah, that that is clearly not the case. So uh, I hope, you know, again for his sake, uh, can we simplify? Can we do something different? But if you give me the guy where you say, uh, you know, your job is don't make mistakes and give us a chance and give our excellent wide receivers who Pruitt said this week or last week, I feel like I know what I got at wide receiver and I'm not sure about anywhere else. He's right. Yeah. I feel like I know what we got at wide receiver too. Let's give those guys a chance. Uh, you can't expect uh, the, the Auburn game from last year is so strange in terms of what Tennessee did on third down. You can't expect that. Every time, uh, especially against good defenses like the Gators, uh, in theory, have. But the quarterback that uh, is not—I don't know if he's pressing. I don't know if he's just not if he's overwhelmed uh, with with the scheme or, or whatever the case may be. But I mean, his interceptions are bad interceptions. You know, they are they are bad bad interceptions. Uh, so I I would I would go back to the 2018 version of him. Uh, if if that was offered to me uh, right now, do you watch the uh, the Sports Source uh, TV show? I know you're. I know you don't watch it live, but yeah, yeah. I uh, I've, I watch uh, on YouTube. I usually click through and watch the highlights. That depends on what game it was and what happened. Uh, 
but yeah, I, I click through the segments where the uh, descriptions are of interest to me. So did you see the one where they talked about uh, David Ovens' story um, in The Athletic about the UTC staff identifying some tells of the uh, offense and the defense? I did not because I because it was Chattanooga. I have not uh, I have not taken the time to watch any of it this week. Okay, did you read the article? Yes. Okay, so just if, if anybody's listening and hasn't seen it, it the, the gist of it is that David Ubbin of the Athletic, who is fantastic, if you are not subscribed to that site, you should. Um, yes, whole wholeheartedly agree. We I don't know that dude. I don't get a dime from them. You should subscribe to that absolutely, and it just yeah. it it supports a model of uh writing about sports on the internet that uh you will not be surprised to know that joel and i uh are fans of and believe in so yes subscribe to them yeah so he was embedded with the uh, utc staff uh the week before the tennessee game and was uh privy then to uh their scouting uh, of tennessee and they identified some uh Tells, which I guess is what you do when you're game planning, right? I, I mean, this sure. is this is unique to guys who've never been in a locker room, um, but uh, maybe is not so surprising to people who have. But it was really interesting, and some of the things were um, like that. Like the one they talked about on the Sports Source uh, show was that uh, if you follow Austin Pope, you will find the ball, because Austin Pope uh, they run behind him every single time as opposed to running behind Dominic Wood Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. So follow number 81 and you will find the ball. So, I mean, it's pretty interesting. Um, if you, if you watch against UTC, that's, that's what happened. Um, but the whole time that they're talking about this, Sterling Hinton is sitting over there smiling. Right. And when, uh, Pennington finally, uh, gives the floor to him, he's like, you know what they, if, if, uh, if it's working, you don't change it, right? So you just keep doing it as long as it's not working, and then you go to your counters. It's all game theory, man, right? Of course, I should have said it like Sterling Hitton, which is, you know, 20 decibels more and a higher pitch and a lot more interesting and inspirational, which I love that dude. But anyway, um, so anyway, uh, the, the reason I bring that up is just – are you worried about um, a team, an FCS team, uh, figuring out uh, what Jim Chaney is going to do before he does it? Or do you side with Sterling Hinton, which is saying, don't worry about it, man, because when it stops working, he's got a wrinkle? Uh, I, I need to see more data. Uh, In general, I'm not worried about Jim Chaney. Uh, it would take a lot here, a lot going wrong, I think, for for reasonable Tennessee fans to just get off the Cheney bandwagon, given everywhere he's been and what he's done. And just looking at, at the personnel uh, and, and some of the talent deficiency he's working with here, I think it falls in line with what we've already talked about, which is the lack of seriousness with which they took Georgia State, which absolutely falls on Pruitt. Yeah. But um, – you know, some of that stuff is is the bit in there about uh, and Jesse Simonton, I think, has pointed on VolQuest has pointed this out, too, that, hey, uh, when Tennessee's receivers are not Marquez Calloway, Juwan Jennings or Palmer on the field, they're going to run. Uh, I figured that out, you know, just just watching being at the game and seeing, OK, 
there's uh, Ramel Keaton and there's Cedric Tillman. This is going to be a run. And, and more often than not, that's been the case. The backup wide receivers are in. It's going to be a run. Again, that's the sort of stuff. That was BYU. That's the sort of stuff that you can get away with uh, against some of these other teams that you, you will get away with way less against a team like Florida. But I'm hoping that those are – that's why I say I need more data. I, I'm Obviously, uh, I'm not pleased that they overlooked Georgia State to the degree that they did. But uh, I'm also hopeful that they've got a different bag of tricks uh, in store here for, for what they're going to get against the Gators. And it falls in line with what they did last year. I mean, they, they, they beat uh, UTEP. They really dominated UTEP statistically, but only scored, whatever, 24 points last year. I mean, they were very vanilla and, and all that because they didn't want to show. And then they came out. It didn't work, but they came out so hyper-aggressive against the Gators with a very different uh, set of things. And then they went to even more different and newer things, some of which worked a little against Georgia and, and worked better against Auburn. So, yeah, I, I need I need more data. Uh, if, if we're still talking about running behind Austin Pope in October, then we got a problem. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm not ready to go there yet. I don't know if, if we're running 300 yards a game behind Austin Pope. I'd sure. Be okay yeah, with that. sure. Why not? Yeah. See, I just think that, uh, tendencies, that, uh, are actually good things. I mean, how do you, how do you spring a really, really good play? You set it up with tendencies and then you break the tendency when they're not expecting it. So anyway, I just, I just think it's, if that's all you can do, that's a problem. But if you got other things uh, that you can go to after you set, set up the other team, then, then fine, you know? So uh, against Florida, what, what do you think is the, uh, what's the number one thing that you think Tennessee needs to do uh, to get the upset against Gator Saturday? I don't know. <laughs> I've been trying to figure this out. Other than, so there's an answer here that's the magical Garantano plays better. Sure, uh, that would be helpful. Uh, but besides that and the magical win the turnovers by three or more, yeah, also would be helpful. Uh, I'm curious about they beat BYU to death with outside runs because Tennessee has way better athletes than BYU on the edge. Not true on Saturday. Um, so can they, you know, when in doubt, it's the first truth of Tennessee, Florida is a team that runs the ball best tends to win. So, uh, is, is there a version of this running attack that does work, uh, when you're not dealing with a, a speed advantage, uh, on the outside? I, I hope so. Uh, I think that would be, uh, interesting and I'm curious to see that, but I, I mean, honestly, I, we're recording this here on Wednesday night and, and I am trying to figure out what to write about this game. <laughs> On Friday, because all of the angles, I, I just don't know. With with backup quarterback at Florida, I don't know. They looked better. Tennessee's defense looked better, like I say, with Batuli in there. You might get Bryce Thompson back. Is that going to make a big difference? I don't know. Um, th there's just a lot that I'm I'm really unsure of. And and we talked about this a little in the the Tennessee Florida history piece I wrote this week. We had that stretch there of basically. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 of does Tennessee really have the better team? They were favored times in that stretch. They should have won 14, 15, 16, 17. Um, and then last year, now the Gators go on to have a great season. 
because at the time when that happened, they were just a team that lost to Kentucky and then waxed Tennessee, and that was obviously not a, a good feeling for anybody. Um, but as it turned out, Florida, 10-win team, top 10, great job. Mullen's a good coach, all that stuff. Kentucky's also but good. Kentucky, also good as it turns out. But the game itself, what what am I supposed to take from I, – I, uh, living in southwest Virginia, I have this conversation about the battle at Bristol all the time where Virginia Tech fans are kind of like, well, you know, and I say, hey, if you fumble it to us six times, we're supposed to beat you. Like, like <laughs> that's what's supposed to happen. And we're supposed to beat you by multiple possessions, which is what happened. So, like, I'm, I'm not talking trash or anything. I'm telling you, if you put it on the ground six times, thank you. And we, we will probably, anyone will probably take advantage of that situation. So, I really, what I said at the time to my, uh, if there are any of my hokey friends that are listening to this, I would have liked to see that game again. Tech, as it turns out, was pretty good that year too. And uh, it, it was not a, if you fumble it six times, it's not a fair representation of who you are. Uh, not a fair representation. Tennessee wasn't a good football team last year, but the Florida game wasn't a fair representation of who they were. If you, I mean, again, the first 10 drives ended in something other than a punt or a touchdown. That's so weird. I, so I don't know. I, I just I, I'm not going back to this mode of is Tennessee actually have a better team? No, of course they don't. But how much better really was Florida than Tennessee last year? How much better is Florida with a backup quarterback right now than a Tennessee that lost to Georgia State? I got no idea. So I, honestly, do you have one, Joel? Do you have a here's what I think is most important other than uh, the the pixie dust for Garantano? I just think it's turnovers. Yeah, um, which is I mean that's the underdog playbook, right? It's the underdog playbook, and it's just, I, again, I would like to see last year's game again without the turnovers. What what happens? Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I I think I heard Pruitt say uh, <clears throat> in some presser earlier this season that he thought uh, turnovers basically were four points. So that's twenty four points right there. You know, I I just I I, I think if they play clean um, and force turnovers instead of giving them away then then they got a shot and uh problem is that the weirdness has never been wearing our colors uh in this thing um so i don't you know if we can figure out how to send him to the medical tent let's do that (laughs) yeah it's it's so funny because even the uh, it's weird statistically the the 30 minutes of glory there in 2016, um, but that wasn't weird. I mean Tennessee just whipped them for about yeah. 30 minutes of real time, yeah. uh, and, and I mean nothing. Juwan's catch on the sideline, obviously the juggling was that was weird, but you know Tabor, as we all know, was quite beat on that play. Uh, so uh, you know the other times that Tennessee has has won in this series. Uh, there, uh, 2004. There's weirdness, obviously, at the end with the the uh, missed extra point, and and rightfully so. Some complaint about the personal foul call that went against the Gators and wasn't offsetting. Yeah. Um, that was that was a big deal. 2003, Tennessee just whipped them up front uh, and won that game. Hail Mary was helpful, but it wasn't the margin. Uh, Tennessee just really dominated them up front and, and won that game. Oh uh, one, anybody? I mean, classic game. They play that game ten times. Each side wins five. Great game. 98 Tennessee wins because they get five turnovers. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I mean sometimes you gotta have, you you gotta have that stuff. That, but that, it, uh, 
I'm sorry. That, those those I don't I I can't remember all five turnovers in that '98 game, but I'm not. Those weren't unforced errors. Those were Al Wilson. Yeah, yeah. I would say the only one uh, and, and Dion Grant, the yeah. the incredible uh, individual play. The the one the first one where Florida's going in to take a seven and nothing lead, and that thing gets punched out at the goal line. Not not weird for the play, just for what a huge. Uh, I mean, you got to remember at that point in time, Tennessee hadn't had a lead. Tennessee being a top five team for three or four years in a row hadn't had a lead on Florida since halftime of three years earlier. So, you know, when those guys were getting ready to go up seven to nothing and punch it in and Tennessee instead punches it out, uh, that, that felt like a, uh, that, and then the long Sean Bryson run, I remember thinking, this is not how this usually goes, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and we could use, there was one of those, uh, in, in the 15 game in the swamp that Juwan Jennings passed back to Josh Dobbs had a feeling yeah. of, this isn't how this usually goes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we we need one of those. Uh, that would that would be helpful. Yeah, I, when I when I say the weirdness, it's it's like I have never seen that before, and it really yeah. hurts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. T- Florida does to Tennessee what Tennessee used to do to Kentucky, yeah. which is we you think you've run out of ways to have your heart broken, but surprise, we're gonna block this kick in overtime and almost turn it back for a touchdown. And then beat you two overtimes later. So yeah, I mean that's that's uh, that that tends to be how that goes. Yeah. All right. So uh, freestyle. Anything that I haven't asked uh, that you want to talk about, and if you can uh, give it rhythm and make it rhyme, uh, extra points. Right. Uh, no, I, I think this. It, it, maybe I'll write about this. Like it, it the loss to BYU uh, was freeing in a way that I think now there's no choice left but to embrace the reality of the situation, uh, which uh, you can, we can argue about what rock bottom is, but the first step in recovery is admit that you have a problem that's beyond your control. Uh, so I, I think there was a level of admit that whatever Georgia state actually revealed to it, BYU, the end of that game made you swallow it whole. So I just, all that to say this, if Tennessee, the last time we beat these guys in 2016, it was almost a relief. Not the way the game itself played out. It was a, a thrilling surprise being down when we were down and then coming back in that game. But at kickoff, it felt like beating them would have been a relief more than anything else. Um, and it was a statement on whether or not Butch Jones can get it done and whether or not he's back. And then obviously that was incorrect uh, after winning that game. But now... Uh, because of Tennessee being one and two, because we're not doing bowl math here yet, because we have no illusions about winning the East or anything like that, this really feels like a standalone. If Tennessee somehow finds a way to win this game, there's kind of a freedom in uh, being able to celebrate and appreciate it just for what it is and not having to tie it into what it was for Fulmer in terms of literally and figuratively the game that made the difference between being a a national champion and not um, being in that conversation and not in 2001 Uh, and, and for Butch Jones where it was, is this going to, is this going to work for you or not? Derek Dooley in in 2012, is this going to work for you or not? Um, There's, there's just a freedom in it to say, Hey, look, if, if Tennessee wins this game, 
uh, we've still got lots of problems and we're still uh, probably going to be more likely to get to five wins than six, but man, it would be great. And there's a bye week after that. It would be really great. And uh, so I, I think it's, it, it would just kind of be a standalone win uh, where the larger, the, the largest narrative at play here is Tennessee's in bad shape. And uh, we, we got a ways to go, and we need to measure progress from the bottom and not to the top. Um, but uh, so I don't know. That strikes me as being different this week. The, the feel of it is just, just kind of untethered from everything else that's happening to Tennessee is so big. This isn't a prove-anything game for Jeremy Pruitt. It's, it's just an opportunity to go out there and, and beat your rival, and we could celebrate it uh, appropriately if that's what happens. And that'll do it for this edition of the Game Day on Rocky Top Podcast. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in. And, uh, hey, if you feel so inclined, we'd love for you to give us a rating and maybe leave us a review. Bonus points if you include the secret phrase, maple cake donuts. Uh, we might even send you a box. It, it'll be the same one we got back in 2012, but trust us, they taste exactly the same now as they did back then. So for Will Shelton, I'm Joel Hollingsworth, and this has been the Game Day on Rocky Top Podcast. I think back to my, the, uh, like, 2010 and 11, where I was traveling back and forth to seminary in the fall as well. Like, I did, I did many of these in my car in a parking lot somewhere, because uh, my roommate was not like it just wasn't worth trying to explain to these people that i was only seeing a couple days a week what all was going on i was like i'm just gonna go to the car for like an hour uh so anyway yeah he's he's breaking the covenant of the seminary (laughs) so what do you think about the game Uh, my machine says 10 you know i how would we feel about 10 uh that's that's the thing of that would cover the spread, you'd be like, okay.